everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneur Rx, where we help healthcare professionals own their future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneurs Rx. This week, I'm very happy to welcome Dr. Anwar Gibran, who co-founded a media platform for Arab Americans in North America to connect with their cities called ArabMediaCompany.com, as well as a Healthcare Hero podcast. Anwar, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you. Thank you so much, John, for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. You've got a really cool background. So let's talk about it. Okay, so before we start our conversation, where, did you, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm originally from Syria, Damascus. I was born in Damascus, Syria. Uh, I grew up there. Beautiful country, beautiful uh, city. Uh, Damascus is probably uh, the oldest inhabited city in the world. And of course, we all know what happened later with the with the civil war. Finished my uh, my medical school there and then immigrated to the United States in Chicago. Well, what, what year did you immigrate? I came in 2014. In 2014. Okay, so did you go to the medical school in Damascus, and then did you go right into yes. residency in Chicago? Yeah, I came uh, to Chicago. My uncle is a cardiologist at Christ Hospital, and I learned that that you did your your residency there. And uh, so came to Chicago, did a couple of year research at uh, Rush Hospital and the GI clinic, then started my residency and finished it uh, last year at Weiss Memorial Hospital. Wow, you just finished your residency last year. So you're, the last year of your residency was you were in COVID hell. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, uh, my third year was uh, was interesting to say the least. Yeah, I bet it was like yeah, uh, critical care and then some. So, what was medical school like? Now looking back, so now you know what you know Americanized medicine is in a sense, at least the training. How does it compare to medical school in Damascus? So you know the the educational system in back in Damascus, it's uh, really influenced by the French system. So we don't have you know, the credit system that you do like a minor and a major. You start your medical school right after high school. You go through a set of courses, predetermined courses every year, and then you graduate. So so it's a six-year program after high school versus, you know, do pre-med and then med school and uh, all these uh, stages, which, you know, I mean, I mean, every system has its negative and positive stuff. For back home, the positive stuff to me was like, you go straight into medical school, you time-wise, you finish medical school and you, you you graduate within six years versus eight years here in the United States. But, you know, here they give you more flexibility in the United States. Like if you want to, you know, do some minor, you want to explore some more interest. Regarding, uh, you know, the clinical rotations back home, I mean, as uh, some people know, Syria is a developing country, so we didn't have this advanced EMRs or we were paper-based. So, we learned uh, as much as we could, but you see a lot of interesting cases, interesting pathologies in the hospital. And the last couple of years, you know, the Civil War started in 2011. So, you know, the last few years before graduation were pretty interesting. Wow. So you did your last three years during the Civil War. That had to be just unbelievable uh, and sad at the same time. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, the last few few tests we took, it was like a battle a few hundred meters uh, away from us. So so it's pretty, uh, you know, intense to, and pretty difficult to concentrate during the test. <laughs> well, I will never complain ever again about taking a test yeah. after hearing that. Exactly. You, you, exactly. You, you, you win the bad test experience. All right, exactly. so, so you get here and you win the American College of Physicians MIT National Hackathon, which, you yeah. know, puts you in my mind in like the Mark Zuckerberg sort of world. What, what does that mean? 
you know, I moving to the United States and especially Chicago, I fell in love with the entrepreneurship culture here, right? I mean, the past decade or two, you see everybody in multiple industries trying to, to do their own business, trying to solve uh, like a problem they're facing. It's whether in, in finance, in retail, online. And of course, that led to healthcare. And uh, during my residency, I've been noticing all these all these issues and, you know, better than anybody, you know, the, the inefficiencies and the issues in the healthcare industry that we have. So I was part of the, the American College of Physicians and uh, they had this collaboration with MIT Hacking Medicine. So they had this collaboration. They want to introduce this entrepreneurship culture into the, the residency and into uh, the physician's world. The MIT Hacking Medicine started in 2013 by MIT. They want to push innovators, physicians, and everybody to collaborate to come up with solutions. And probably one of the uh, the end product of the MIT Hacking Medicine was PillPack, which was bought by Amazon like early 2014. So went there. That was my first experience, you know, with the tech slash healthcare. Uh, I participated in a weekend hackathon. Worked with the with bunch of great uh, individuals, IT people, business people, nurses, other administration people. And the theme was working on workflow issues in the hospital. So we we came up with a software idea to improve the workflow, make it more efficient. And the end goal was to decrease the length of stay. So uh, our idea won number one uh, national. That was the first amazing experience that was really exciting that's actually really cool now so so you've done that now but you also did you said did you have three years of research in the gi lab Yes, yes. Uh, at Rush Hospital in the GI uh, lab in the outpatient setting, we worked on multiple uh, uh, research projects. And uh, one really interesting one, uh, which is a product that was on Shark Tank, which is a squatty potty, if you're familiar with it. And uh, we worked on to improve the functional constipation in elderly uh, using that device. And the research was over a couple of years. And uh, we published these results uh, into the the ACG conference uh, that year. Wow. And now, while you were doing that, were you studying, studying and take all the step one, two, and three? Is that exactly. That? Okay. Exactly. You know, as a foreign grad, you finish your your medical school, but the this board's exam are not embedded into you know the years that you do in the medical school. So plus, I took my medical school in Arabic, so I had to do all this transformation into English. So I spent a year and a half taking uh, the step one, step two, and the CS. Wow. Yeah, I literally can't imagine now going back and thinking. Okay, I'm going to learn all this stuff in Arabic and exactly. try to figure it out. So that's that's impressive. Now, when yeah. did you when did you learn you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was that when you came to Chicago and kind of saw this culture? Or was it even while you were back in Syria? While I was back, actually, to me, back home, it was a second nature. Back home, we don't have big corporations. We don't have this like uh, corporate America culture. Everybody starts their own small business and they live and work like that. So to me, I was in uh, in medical school. I used to finish my clinical rotations and then go back and help my dad with his business. Uh, my dad uh, is a businessman. He started his own business in the air conditioning. and But, but on the side, he used to always do uh, some side businesses. And one of them was these single use, the cups we use at Starbucks, you know, the, for the coffee cups and stuff like that. So I used to take samples of these products, go from cafe to cafe after my my clinical rotation and then try to sell these products. Uh, you know, to me, uh, used to get so excited, you know, closing transactions and all these kind of stuff. And then and I came here to the US and I looked, oh my God, it's on a way bigger scale. So here, like everything, 
you know, you see going through residency or going through, you know, stuff outside residency with my friends here and noticing these problems or issues and coming up like, hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's uh, let's work on this issue. One of this stuff was uh, me and my friend Malik. We noticed that uh, there's no high quality media in Chicago. So, so we started Chicago in Arabic, which is a media platform. And then that grew into Arabic media company that we do content about each city. So we're currently in Chicago, New York, LA. So that's one of the stuff that get me excited in addition to practicing medicine. So it's an Arabic station, but it's about Chicago or about New York or about... Yes, yes. So so the goal is to talk about the city in Arabic, right? Because we notice in North America, there's around 4.5 or 5 million Arab Americans. And uh, there's no high quality outlet or platform to talk about uh, North America and the U.S. in Arabic. Yeah, there's there's a high need. And other communities like, uh, like the Latino community or the Chinese community or the Polish, they all have their own media outlets. So we gave it a go. We started simple with just a Facebook page and the response was amazing. And it grew to a point last year we did a podcast to interview successful Arabs and we got a big sponsorship from Lipman. So, you know, we looked the past few years, it grew tremendously. That's that's very cool. Why do you think there was no Arab outlet for North American cities or news? Yeah, to be honest, that's a very good question. All the media outlets, they talk about the the community itself. They don't talk about the city in large. And one factor we think that, you know, they all come, they feel they're still immigrants, they're still foreigners. So there was no bridges between that community, which they usually live in the suburbs and the downtown and like the urban areas, right? And all the these Facebook stuff, they talk about the community itself, finding a job or or somebody who died or somebody who got married or this kind of social stuff. But something nice about the city, I mean, as you know, Chicago is beautiful. It has a lot of activities, has a lot of stuff to do. And now after talking about like all these music festivals, you know, the air and water show, uh, all these kind of like, you know, the theaters uh, in Chicago. So we noticed a lot of amazing response. People like, like, oh my God, I did not know that Chicago has that. So that was a great uh, venture we did. And uh, so far it's going great. So do you think it's because, we're probably in a little bit off subject, but I'm really interested in this. Yeah. Do you think it's because that immigrants to the U.S. feel like they have to remain kind of insular to stay in their protective dome? And I would think for Arabs, that would be even more so. Like, I don't want to venture out because, you know, yeah. you haven't been treated all that well here. I mean, unfortunately, the past... Two decades, you know, the war on Iraq, uh, like, you know, all this kind of stigma on the Arab world. Probably that's one of the reasons. But, you know, cities like Chicago is so diverse. Uh, You know, if you go out there and and explore, like, people are so friendly. The city is so welcoming. After a while, you notice, like, hey, it's really okay to to kind of go and explore. That's excellent. Well, I'm glad, particularly being born and raised in Chicago, I'm glad that they have that perspective. All right, switching subjects. So you founded a project called Healthcare Hero Project. What's that about? So basically, as we touched on, uh, my third year was was really overwhelming. It was really uh, the start of, of the pandemic, right? And, you know, we were really, I mean, it's something new to me, you know, in my, in, in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, we were really scared, really confused what to do. There was no clear guidelines at the beginning in early 2020. And I've been noticing my fellow residents, other nurses talking about their their stories, right? They're sharing their their stories on social media. So, you know, we decided like, hey, we need to share these stories. 
so you know me and my, my girlfriend she her name is Sarah and uh, she's really into entrepreneurship and tech and stuff like that so and her sister is also a nurse in Canada so we we decided like hey we need to shed the light on these stories it's really important to people know how are the healthcare individuals and physicians and nurses are going through their day and uh, what are the challenges they're facing looking back at it right now you know hopefully we're we're past the pandemic but at that time it was really intense so you know there's a platform called the humans of new york so we wanted to do something similar so we started sharing these kind of stories to people we know around us and the response was overwhelming we started getting all these stories from from all over the us from canada and even from italy from international countries sharing their stories and we started sharing their stories on our platform and we collected over 100 stories and it was really insightful some some interesting stories about you know pregnant nurse going through the pandemic and getting the support of her friends uh, some of them who had covid and went through the recovery phase and they had all the support by by their families so you see all these um, heartwarming stories that that made us go through the pandemic and we're lucky now it's uh, I mean, I, I hope it's almost over. Yeah, well, I mean, for, from where I sit, uh, working on indigenous lands, it's far from over. But yeah, hope springs eternal. <laughs> so were these stories, I mean, do you think people read them and were like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Are they inspirational stories? Really inspirational. We had a lot of reaction uh, from so many healthcare people and non-healthcare people. They they were like, uh, like oh my God, now I know how tough was the life of of physicians and nurses uh, through the pandemic uh, for example we got so many feedback from other industries like uh, how can we help with uh, so we started wow. connecting them with other uh, healthcare centers to for example send send some donations some some uh, you know ppe stuff like that so it was a big community kind of trying to live through the pandemic and kind of push to move on did you get any of the anti-believers, the, oh, this, this is a hoax, what are you writing about? Did you have those comments as well? Ironically, that was on the late latter end of 2020. At, at the beginning, everybody was like, oh my God, these are so inspirational. We Like 99.9% of the comments at the beginning was really positive. And then over time, when we started sharing stories, like for example, you know, November, December, we started getting all these comments like, come on, do you still believe in this? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, what happened? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, to me, I'm, I'm very, like, I have empathy for everyone who, who feels anything because it's been a very stressful situation. A lot of people, they cope with stress with like differently. So some people, they just cope by denying everything. Some people, they cope by, you know, going through the extra mile and kind of spread awareness. So I feel empathetic for everybody who ever comments any, because, uh, you know, we're all human beings and we have our vulnerability. You know, that's actually a really good perspective. So I'm glad you shared that because, you know, I'm seeing people in Burns Department now who are sick and dying and young. And, you know, I say, I know. knowing the answer, did you get the vaccine? And they look at me, well, no, like, well, that's kind of why you're here right now. So the, the, what you just shared is good perspective. I was kind of laughing, too, when you were talking about perspective, because, you know, this last political climate, you know, back in November was, for me, abhorrent. I mean, just watching this after living as long as I've lived, watching, say, God, we have really, as a country, degraded into this from what you've lived through 
taking tests with bombs going off 300 meters away. This was like a walk in the park. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just like, you know, just another thing. Uh, no, <laughs> no, <day>. but, uh, <laughs> that, uh, no, but it was really challenging times, like uh, especially being a physician and, and being a, like a training resident, right? You don't know the guidelines. You don't know, you know, your instinct as a as a resident. And you know that you jump to help, right? And uh, we had shortage in PPE. So it, it was very difficult for me. My attending is telling me, no, stay aside. We don't have enough PPE. You need to protect yourself first before go and start doing a CPR on a patient. You know, that was really like every time I talk about it, I get goosebumps, you know, like the the shortage in, in ventilators. We got actually Weiss was one of the first hospital who got the, the GM ventilators who built it specially for to support us. So, you know, it was very challenging time and uh, gave us really different perspective on, you know, we need to be thankful that we're healthy. Yeah, and I guess, well, you know, what's, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I guess from you know, the third year resident going through this, and now it's like, what, whatever you got, bring it on. So speaking of whatever you got, what are the projects are you involved in right now? Because I know you're in a bunch of them. Yeah, so currently I'm a, a clinical informatics fellow at UIC. I started the fellowship early in July. You know, we're, we're really in the healthcare IT landscape in Chicago. It's really evolving. Uh, you know, there's 1871, there's Matter, which is like an incubator for healthcare startups. We have close partnerships with them, working on, on a bunch of projects at UIC, you know, improving the workflow in the outpatient clinic. We, we have a bunch of projects to implement, you know, and make telehealth more robust, kind of improve the, also the, uh, the hospital at home program, which is, you know, you know, they finish their treatment in the hospital and, and kind of we continue right. the follow up in the at home. So we're working on a bunch of projects with UIC. And as you know, the healthcare IT and adding the layer of AI and then machine learning on top of that, it's really exciting. And for me, doing this uh, this fellowship, I believe, would give me a lot of uh, a lot of insights and, and and a lot of ideas to the future because I believe that's the future of healthcare. Totally, I, I, that I, I look back. We, there was a time we could grandfather into it, and I started yeah. going down the path of grandfathering into it. Exactly, because uh, I, I love health informatics. I've never coded a thing in my life other than a patient, but I yeah. love the idea of health informatics. So a lot of businesses I've worked on have been informatic based. My only challenge is like, yeah. oh, so I wanted to find somebody that can do it for me. So I'm going to call you from now on. Is it a two-year fellowship? Yeah, so it's a two-year fellowship. UIC actually was uh, one of the oldest uh, informatics program in, in the whole country uh, after Stanford. So I'm uh, really excited for uh, you know the possibilities there. Wow, that's that's actually very cool. So uh, how much is there any direct patient care with what you're doing? Or are you right now strictly clinical? Uh, we do around 20 to 30% clinical care because my training is internal medicine. I do inpatient service. Uh, so we do around 10 to 12 weeks a year of, of internal medicine service. So I work with residents and students, you know, for patient care and do my informatics fellowship. Plus we do courses from the biomedical informatics uh, master's degree at the University of Illinois. That's excellent. You know, I've always had this theory that being a physician and being an entrepreneur, the skill set's very similar. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, to me, that's 100%. I mean, I think to me, it's a second nature to, you know, being an entrepreneur, try to solve a problem, try to do something from scratch. That was really helpful in terms of going through residency, kind of figure out stuff. 
because going through that is similar going to starting a business, right? I mean, you you go through the the idea phase. You try to make something out of nothing. You try to figure out all these obstacles and all these challenges you face. And then you know, residency, you graduate, your startup. It's whether you 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 exit, you get acquired, or you go public. So it's similar analogy to me, similar concepts that would all show how resilient you are how driven you are. And at the end, if you do something that you love, you will continue doing it and you will go over and over again to be able to succeed. Yeah, that's, that's obviously a good summation of it. So what do you tell people who want to follow a similar path as you? Now, not, not about getting bombed while you're taking a test, but, <laughs> but, but, but other than that, what do, you, what do you tell people if they, want, if they want your similar path? Because I can see for a lot of physicians right now, literally I just met with one two hours ago who wants to be you. They want to follow your path. What advice do you have for them? To me, be now with the internet is there, you have unlimited access to, to data and information. And information is basically free. So you don't have any excuse not to go there and learn as much as you can. If you're interested in entrepreneurial stuff, Go look them up, keep reading about it, show your interest. There's a lot of opportunity, especially now, you know, stuff are becoming more and more hybrid or virtual. So, so there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunity to kind of participate in stuff. Be really active on LinkedIn and Twitter because there's a lot of opportunities there. Like you connect with people, you never know, you like carry the conversation. You know, if you want to do informatics or if you want to be more involved in the health IT world, there's a lot of opportunity that you can follow people you can offer to help out in anything, learn from them. I mean, in addition to going to the traditional path, which is, you know, going through your residency, apply for fellowship, but to get into fellowship because it's limited seats. I mean, now the informatics fellowship, it's around 60 seats nationwide. And the demand is 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 increasing every year. So, you know, if you're interested in this, you got to stand out. You got to, like, for example, in if you're in Chicago, uh, you, you have matter, you can volunteer there, you can uh, help out in in any shape or form, like online, just talk about it and uh, interact with other posts about it. That will give you more idea and, and more open up the potential doors to opportunities. So, yeah. Very good. Final question for you, and it's going to be it's going to be a softball for you because I'm, I'm yeah. almost, for particularly for you. I'm almost laughing asking this question about resiliency. And so, were you born resilient? Did resilience? Did you find resilience while being bombed to taking tests? I mean, where does it come from for you? To me, it's resilient. It's a mix of being hungry. So I always tell them, like coming from Syria to the United States, as if someone was starving for years, and then you come to a big buffet and you can eat whatever you want. That hunger will, will keep you going versus getting things for granted. Like, okay, I can do this, I can do that. That inner motivation and inner hunger, I, I think is key of passing through tough times and having to pass like all the difficulties you have in life. So being hungry, being motivated every single time and and have a goal in life that, you know, I wanna achieve that no matter what. Very good, I like it. Okay, so Anwar, where can people find out more about you? I'm really active on LinkedIn, Anwar Gibran uh, on LinkedIn. I I also uh, on Twitter, you know, always engaging with with a lot of folks on Twitter. So so LinkedIn on Twitter, you know, there I always collaborate and interact with people. So I'm uh, more than happy to reach out to anybody or you know discuss anything with anybody. Excellent, thank you, Anwar. This has really been a joy and a pleasure. You can find the show notes in the link to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on it. Good luck in your informatics. I expect great things out of you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much, John, for uh, for the interview. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to another great edition of Entrepreneur Rx. To find out how to start a business and help secure your future, go to johnshufeltmd.com. Thanks for listening.